and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as a North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. Folger, and this is Labors in the Harvest podcast, and we want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, today we pick up our conversation. This is part three of a conversation I'm having with my son, Pete Folger, who is my middle son, who is the uh, pastor of the Cleveland Baptist Church, the church that I pastored for 24 years, and uh, and uh, God led our church to call him to be my successor. In our last conversation uh, with Pastor Pete, we were talking about transition and the journey that God brought him on to uh, the point where he became the pastor of this church. So we're going to pick up from there. And so, um, Pete, thanks again for being here today. And I wanted just to ask you about, we talked about the transition last Sunday, our last uh, in our last edition, about that particular transition Sunday. So how, do, how, how was that Sunday in, in your mind? Yeah, it was a really special day. Um, you know, as, as I, was, I was thinking about it, uh, sort of, it's almost sort of like a, your wedding day in which everything is just sort of a blur because yeah. it's just happening so fast and it's so special and and uh, and again, the church, you know, the church was so kind, um, you know, to, to us. I remember, I think one of my one of my most incredible memories is we on Sunday night after the the installation had taken place, uh, there was a reception out in the school gym, and um, and uh, Sandra and I, um, you know, were trying to get out there, but. But folks, you know, we're just, I mean, we never got out of the, out of the courtyard. I, I never got, I yeah. never got inside either. <laughs> never even got into the building and just people just wanting to, you know, express their, their love and, you know, their well wishes and their kindness, you know, to us. And it just, that, that was a, that was a night and a, and a time I, I won't, you know, soon forget. Of course, the building was packed both, mor- both morning and evening as, uh, as people, you know, many of them, of course, who, you know, you had been their pastor and I wanted to be there on that, you know, on that special day. Um, you know, several of our missionaries were, were in town and had, had done so just to be there for that. And so, you know, it really was uh, unique and, and special. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we went home that night and just, you know, marveled at, you know, all that the Lord, you know, all that the Lord had done and, and just how excited we were for the future. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it, there, again, the, Unless folks are part of a, a good church, it's hard to, to, to wrap their minds around. And I would suppose most of our listeners would be part of a good church, but specifically when you've been there a long time and, you know, people are just so gracious and kind. I, I know that obviously sometimes people leave on uh, the ministry or leave a pastorate and it's not, not good, but uh, our time here has always been good. Our people are still very gracious and kind, even though I'm no longer the pastor and they're still very kind to me. And I know they're they're encouraging and helpful to you and Sandra. There are moments of difficulty, <laughs> no matter where you are. But, but uh, for the most part, this is a, a great, great church. Yeah, it is. Let me just interject something real yeah. quick. You know, um, so so you had always said that on your transition, you know, you went home and couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, and that you and Pastor Thompson had a conversation the next morning. You know, yeah. how'd you sleep? You know, yeah. not very well. And 
interestingly enough, because obviously we're family, the next day Andy and his family were still in town. We went to lunch that day. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. And uh, so we had a conversation. I think you asked me, how did you sleep? And of course, our personalities are different. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're different than I am. And, and you were following a different type of a leader than, than I was. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, I think in some respects I, I, I might have a little bit, I might, my personality might be more like Pastor Thompson's than it is like yours, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but I, I went home and I, and I slept, I slept really well. Um, I, but, but, you know, you know, as I was thinking, as I was thinking on that, and I think I shared this with you, um, you know, when you took the church, it was in a whole lot different place than when I yeah. took it. Yeah. And, and I don't mean, I don't mean anything negative about that at all. What I mean is, is a couple of things. Number one, it was not in as good a place financially. Right. Um, you know, our church was in quite a bit of debt yeah. uh, because of a, a building. And of course, you were involved in that process right. to make right. that decision. Yeah. So, you know, that doesn't all, you know, fall yeah. on, on Dr. Thompson, you know, because you, you had, I think you might have even been the deciding vote that said, yeah. let's do this. We have to, you know, we yeah. have to have a building here on this property, you know, for our Christian school. And, um, and so, you know, I think I, I think that's you know that played a played a big role, you know, in which you know you're you're going to bed every night thinking, you know, are we going to be able to pay the bills because we needed I think what was the mortgage twenty some thousand dollars a month. Yeah, and our, and our offerings were it's about a quarter of our offerings. And of course, we had a Christian school and a large bus ministry, heavy staff, and of course, the Christian school wasn't paying all of its bills, and so we were subsidizing. So yeah, there was a lot that was well, involved in that. Yeah, and in addition, you know, they always say. You, you don't want to be the guy that follows the guy. You right, want to be the guy right, that follows exactly. the guy that followed the guy, and yeah. and so, you know, it just was it just was different, um, you know, in in some respects, um, you know, and so yeah, I, I that 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 thought wasn't really all that overwhelming to me. And again, I think part of it is you know the the mentoring you had done with me, and you know preparing me for that, and of course giving me the opportunities. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, it's not that I, I, I don't see the gravity of it. I certainly do. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's a different type of a church to pass. Well, and again, I think it has a lot to do with personality. I'm very high strung, uh, very, um, you know, ADHD. I, I call myself ADHD because I just, my mind just runs different directions. You're more laid back. You've always been more laid back. Uh, of all our kids, you were the, the, the laid back one. Um, the one who liked to talk <laughs> and uh, never met a stranger. And I'm just different than that. But so, again, part of it is how God's made us. Well, let's, uh, let's segue a little bit. And I want to talk to, to you about your grandfather. Um, my dad, uh, for our listeners' sake, his name was Bob Folger. My dad's been in heaven since 2012. Uh, he wasn't a pastor. He was on the staff here at the church. He was a layman when the church got started. Um, who loved the Lord and um, loved uh, what God was doing here at Cleveland. He was a truck driver and uh, yet had a, a heart to serve the Lord. And so at a point, he left uh, truck driving, uh, secular work, and came to work at the church full-time as the youth director. And uh, back in the 70s, when this, uh, back when you know, things were really, you know, um, Cleveland was a happening town before we hit our uh, downturns economically and demographically, uh, the church uh, in his day probably had 250 young people in the youth department and just a, just a great man. But um, most of your time in the ministry, my, my dad was retired. He had stepped off the staff. In fact, his stepping off the staff was what enabled us mm-hmm. to bring you on. So let's talk a little bit about him and what are your thoughts about your grandfather and his impact on your life? Well, he, uh, he, he certainly... Um, you know, I mean, when, when he came into the room, when it was our family, you know, you knew it. I mean, he was, he was the, you know, you talk about a, you know, a patriarch in, in some respects. And I think we just all had such high respect for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was just a man of integrity. 
uh, a man of character. Um, you know what what you what you saw was what you got, and um, you know man of opinion. <laughs> yeah, well that's true. Yeah, that's true. But I I don't hardly know anybody that has any had no, anything no. negative to say no. about him just because he was so he was so um, he was so real. Yeah. And and he because he was such a man of his word he was not there was no you know the uh, Paul writes to Timothy and he talks about the unfeigned faith that dwelt in your mother and yeah. in your grandmother. And that word unfeigned, it just means real. It means authentic. And, you know, Grandpa, Grandpa was the same way, you know, that, that his, his faith was real. It, it transformed his life. Um, you know, obviously I didn't know what he was like before he got saved, um, you know, and before he got into the Cleveland Baptist Church. But obviously, you know, I've heard some of the stories and, you know, how his passion was driving a truck. And, and yet when he got saved, his passion became the local church. Yeah. And it became serving his pastor. And... You know, uh, I, I I remember um, somebody telling me I think it was Pastor Thompson needed to take a trip out to out to Midwest or something, and, and Grandpa you know had a brand new car and just mm-hmm. dropped it off in his driveway and just said, "Here, you take this." Yeah. And you know, little things like that, you know. And of course, you know how much Grandpa loved cars, and yeah. that he would, you know, that he would do you know do that for for you know for his pastor. I mean, it just tells you the kind of man you know that he was, and um, and so yeah, I mean he. Well, growing up in his, in his home, he was a no-nonsense guy. You know, when he spoke, you better do what you were told to do. But it wasn't because he was just a tyrant. It was just that, hey, this is, this is life. This is what, what the expectations are. And certainly uh, his impact has touched my life. And I'm, because it's touched my life, it obviously touched the lives of my children as well. So um, let's, again, continue to segue here a little bit because we uh, need to finish our conversation this week. Rather than four-part series, right? <laughs> but... Uh, so what do you see are some of the greatest challenges as a pastor of a mature church, um, being a middle-aged man, pastoring in 2020, you're 41, right? Is that yeah, right? 41. Yeah. So what do you see some of your greatest challenges uh, right now in, in pastoring uh, in, a, in this kind of time in our culture? Yeah, well, I mean, I would, you know, as it pertains to pastoring a mature church, I think the, you know, some of the greatest challenges is just motivation. Um, you know, I, I love to be around church planners because, because they recognize it's all on them. You know, I mean, if they don't get out and work in the week leading up to the Sunday, you know, they, they may not, they may not be able to feed their family, you know, because they, they've got to get people in the church who will, you know, get a hold of the, you know, vision and will support it and will give and will serve and will grow. And, and, uh, and, and so the challenge of pastoring mature church is, is that, you know, I know that I'm going to show up on a Sunday and, and, and we're going to have a, a healthy amount of people, and the, 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 the offerings are going to be, you know, are going to be pretty solid, and we're going to be able to take care of our responsibilities. And so, you know, motivating me and then motivating the staff and then motivating, you know, the people, you know, that certainly is a challenge. You know, I, I will just tell you, you know, uh, pastoring in a, you know, during this year in which we've been through this pandemic, you know, it certainly has been challenging, and there have been days in which, you know, uh, we've 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 wondered. You know, what's what's the you know end result of this thing going to be? But you know, it's interesting. We're doing this interview now. Last week, um, you know, my assistant was clearing out some things, and she came upon a folder of some some headaches that you had had to deal with, and you had made some notes about some of those things. And so she said, "What do I do with this?" And I said, "Well, I, th- I said I think we should probably hold on to it at least for you know because some of those things were pretty egregious, you know, mm-hmm. and some of the things that happened, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, you want to hold on to those times of files." I said, "I'll, I'll just put it in my office." So I took it back there, and I began to flip through some of those things. And you know what? I, I thought to myself, you know, I would much rather pastor uh, uh, during a pandemic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. those things are beyond yeah. our control. Yeah. Right. And, and everybody's dealing with yeah. the same thing. Then yeah. to have to deal with, you know, uh, a man or a woman who, 
you know, really just does some things that just absolutely break your heart. Right. And, and re, you know, and, you know, the church has been so good and so kind to us. I mean, most of the people have just said, listen, Pastor, we're behind you. We support you. These are unusual times. And, you know, whatever decision you make, you make, you know. But you deal with something like that, and you, half of the people are going to love you because they're thinking you're doing the right thing. Half the people are going to say you didn't do enough or you yeah. didn't, you know. So, uh, you know, honestly, that was a that was a perspective, you know, enabler for me to 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 have the right perspective. Is like, you know, we're all dealing with this thing together, mm-hmm. and there's not a whole lot that 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 we can do to change it, and and it's you know it, it is what it is, you know, as opposed to again people that, you know, and you 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 had your fair share of some of those things yeah. over the years, you know. So yeah, the the biggest thing that most people don't realize, and some of our listeners aren't in ministry, but people that aren't in ministry would understand, is that there are some things that you deal with. Yes, you have to make a decision, but you can't necessarily tell everyone everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, you 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 want to be honest. You don't want to sweep things under the carpet, but not everybody needs to know everything. We live in a twenty four hour, seven day a week news cycle, in which they beat every nuance of every story and sometimes hide stuff. Well, we're not trying to hide stuff. We're just trying to say, look, not everything needs to be out in the open on some of this stuff. And so when sometimes people don't know the entire story, they have a t- perhaps a, a tendency to say, well, that person didn't get a fair yeah. shake. Well, and uh, again, to be, you know, to be fair, those days are coming for me, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. You know, no question yeah. about it. Um, but, but, but again, I, 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 uh, I, I, I greatly prefer sort of what we're dealing with now as opposed to, yeah. you know, dealing with people who are destroy, you know, who destroy their homes and their families because of some decisions and choices that they've made. Well, know? my prayer is that you'll have to deal with, deal with very little. So for sure. sure. All right. Well, let's just kind of wrap some things up here. So just real quick, what would you say to young families, young couples, just starting out raising their family in this particular culture and the need of a church? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's paramount. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we think our children have to have. Um, you know, certainly want to give them a good education. We want to, you know, put them in a, in a safe neighborhood. And, you know, we want them to be able to experience, you know, certain things. We want them, you know, but to me, uh, at the top of the list is they, they need they need a pastor. They need a local church. Uh, they need a, they, their children need Sunday school teachers. And they need opportunities to minister and to serve. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would say, again, um, you know, in a day and age in which people are probably walking away from the church in some cases, you know, boy, you need it now more than ever. And, um, you know, I, I, we, were, we were at everything, you know, this as well as I do, obviously. I mean, we, every time the doors were open, we were there for Thursday night visitations. I can remember hanging out in the nursery while you guys would go out and make visits. And you know, as, a, as just little kids, you know, and we were there for uh, revivals and missions conferences. I mean, you name it, we were there. And um, I, I have no regrets from that. I don't right. look back on that and right. think that that was a negative. Yeah. I, I think Andy, you interviewed him, and he said the same thing, yeah. you know. And, yeah. you know, those were awesome times. We, we you know, those, our buddies were there, you yeah. know. And, yeah. and, uh, well, and we knew it was like a safe environment. You know, yeah. This is who we are. This yeah, it was our like, family. It was yeah. our home. And we yeah. knew it was a safe environment. It was right. a good place to be. And we loved it. I mean, yeah. we just had such great memories of it. So. Yeah, yeah I, I just think some, so often that people get jaded. Um, something happens, and... The devil gets in it, and then, you know, uh, they, there's a bitterness there, an anger there that they don't seem to be able to get beyond. And I think part of it, I, you know, growing up in a home where my parents were just like that, no doubt they were hurt by things that had happened, but they just never allowed it to, to impact us as a family. And we tried to carry that on. Well, you, did, you guys did the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember, you know, I can remember a time in which, you know, of course we were in a, the home there on 128th, and our bedroom was right across from yours. And mm-hmm. I remember a phone call that you were on, and I could tell it wasn't good. I didn't know what it was about, but I could tell it wasn't good. 
but we never knew about it, you know. I mean, other than just to hear, you know, you be involved in a phone conversation. We got up the next morning. We just continued on our, you know, with our business, and and uh, you know, we we we're doing our best to try to, you know, you know, train our children and, and raise our children the exact same way you guys did and that your your parents did with you. So, well, here's my final um, bit of conversation here today, and we'll wrap this up. Is that uh, we could say that the Cleveland Baptist Church would be considered what we call a traditional, uh, biblically. Based, balanced Baptist church. That's my assessment of us. Okay, there are many younger uh, in the younger men, um, sometimes men your age, um, some younger folks that are resisting that kind of church today. What are your thoughts about it, and why have you stayed the course uh, as a pastor in, in that particular regard? Well, again, I, I think the key word that you used just a minute ago is balance, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, I think that. Um, Certainly, there's there is room to try some new things, um, but but again, you, you have to again. You taught you taught us uh, as as again. You were our pastor that you know anytime you you make a decision, you have to and you decide you you're, you're going to consider tearing down a fence. You have to ask yourself the question: Why was that fence there in the first place? Mm-hmm. And and you know and and I'll, I'll tell you one of the advantages. I think I think one of the problems some of these younger pastors have is they don't have any older men on their staff, mm-hmm. and maybe they also never had an, an older man that mentored them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they they got out of the ministry or out of Bible college and they just started pastoring almost right away. And to me, that was a, that was a huge advantage. Was obviously you know being under you, and then of course when I became pastor, I inherited a staff. Uh, but again, these are all men that I love and respect and have worked with for a long time. And I can think of times in, in my pastoral leadership, which is fairly brief, you know, just a little bit more than a year, in which I presented something to the staff and all the young guys were like, yeah, let's do it. We're all on board. And then I'm looking, you know, around the room and I'm seeing a couple of our older guys that are looking at us sort of, you know, with a, a look that says, wait a minute, you know. And and after hearing them out, we've decided, okay, you're right, and we're not going to go down that road. And so I think there's just a lot of advantage, you know, in having – you know some some older men, some gray headed gray headed men that you're that you're listening to. I mean, you look at you know uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, and the yeah. you know the choice and decision he made, you know to to ignore the counsel of the older men. And so one of the reasons why, again, I I, I, I am where I am is again because of your influence on me, because of the the influence of, of Pastor Thompson and of course Pastor Clarence Sexton when I was there at Crown and and uh, some of these older men that I greatly respect and value and, and admire. And, um, you know, I was in a meeting not too long ago, and it was actually Pastor Sexton made this statement. He said, the goal is in ministry is never growth. The goal is God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think sometimes we, 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 get, we lose sight of that. And yeah. we want to just, you know, we just want to hit more and more and more and more and more. Yeah. And uh, in, in reality, the, the goal is, you know, to get as biblically minded as we possibly can. And, um, and so I, I think that's part, you know, I think that's part of why, you know, we, we are where we are um, is because, again, the influence that you've made on me. And others, and and again, because I have on my staff, I have some older men that I that I respect and value and admire. And I know that if I were to consider going that way, you know, that it would break, you know, obviously your heart, their hearts, you know, and the people that have poured into me. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, you know, in some respects, I think it'd be a violation of what's found in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so again, we're, we're we try to be balanced here. We're not we're not against everything that's new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we sing some some newer songs, some newer hymns, and. And, uh, and and that sort of thing, um, you know, we we we're you know we're a little bit more maybe even open-minded than even you were, you know. But yeah. but by the same token, um, you know, we're very careful not to throw off the you know the things that that we have always been and what we've always stood for, and and we're happy about it too. So well, you know, of course, uh, uh, when I resigned, I um, 
your mother and I, we've retained our membership here. We're proud to be members of the Cleveland Baptist Church. We're proud that our son is our pastor, which is a little weird. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but on the other side, uh, you know, God's just been good to us. We're grateful. God's given us three great sons and uh, three great daughter-in-laws and 10 wonderful grandchildren and soon to be 11. And and uh, we've just been blessed in life. And that comes because I, I think we've served the Lord and loved the Lord. And uh, it's not been without his challenges, that's for sure. But I just want our listeners to know that I'm, I love you, son. Appreciate love you, too, you. Thank you so much for being my guest uh, for these uh, past three sessions with our conversations in Labors and the Harvest. So we want to say thanks to our listeners today. Thanks for joining us. And we hope that you join us again next week when we do more conversations of those who are laboring in the Lord's Harvest. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest. (music) ¶¶